0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well hey, we're gonna continue today our series called Crossworthy. Everybody say crossworthy. We are going to finish up next week. I know you think, man, we've been doing this series for a while. We have. We're in the Easter season. We're thinking about the cross and we've been kind of going through the stations, if you will, of, of, of the, of the cross. We've been going through the different moments that, that Jesus paid for as we've continued in this series. And this week, I want to actually talk a little bit about the crucifixion, the, the kind of the final moments. Before we get into that, we understand that, that Jesus was beaten, that Jesus was, was hit with this cat of nine tails, that he's, he's literally Literally on the brink of death, he's knocking on death's door, and he finds himself in court once again. So here's Jesus about to die. If you've ever been to court, you know that that's almost like death in itself. You know whether you're an observer or you're actually participating in in the court session. And man, court can be a difficult thing. So here is Jesus in the midst of a violent mob on a holy day. And there's, there's, there's a, a tradition that happens where a, a person that's been convicted will get released. Well, Jesus is there with Barabbas and Barabbas, and Jesus is there with Barabbas, and they bring this guy out. Barabbas is like a kind of a a, a crime lord, if you will. He's, he's a thug. He's a criminal, and he comes out. I mean, if you've seen Passion and other movies, this is a guy that, that is guilty. I mean, he's he's a guy that's that's been there for a while. He's been locked up, rightfully so. And then they bring out Jesus, the most innocent man the world has ever known. And they bring him out, and they, they say, Crowd, who do you want? Who do you want? Who do you want us to set free? Who does the crowd want us to set free? And who did they say? Barabbas. They said, give us Barabbas. And then they said, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And the crowd chanted out crucify him, crucify Jesus. He's like, well, what wrong has he done? Crucify him all the more, right? All the louder, they begin to, to chant, crucify Jesus. Crucify this one that's claimed to be the king of the Jews. And we know that this story, and we're we're broken when we watch it, and we look at this, this moment that happens. And then in Mark chapter 15, it says that when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. A man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him... To carry the cross. So here's Jesus, weak, traveling down the road, carrying the cross to the place of execution. He's stumbling. He's weak. This this heavy cross that probably could weigh up to about 150 pounds is on his back that is shredded to the bone. This rough cross as he's going down this path. Jesus is falling beneath the weight, so they force this stranger, if you will, to carry the cross for Jesus. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. I mean, you know, the bind, the battle always is won in the mind. The battle's always won in the mind. So they bring him to this place, Golgotha, and they offer him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now that was kind of like an anesthesia, if you will. It was something to kind of, kind of help him deal with the pain, but Jesus refused. He said, no, I'm going to pay the price. And then they offered him this, and then verse 24, and they crucified him, dividing his clothes. They cast lots to see which, what, what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him, and the written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. So every criminal that hung on a cross, they would have the charges written above their name so everybody knew why they were being crucified for. And here's Jesus, king of the Jews. If I could write that today, it would say, here's Jesus, king of the universe. Here's Jesus, king of the world, being crucified for the sins of humanity. The crucifixion. Now, this, this barbaric, inhumane, brutal, painful death is to this day the most, the most barbaric, brutal way to execute somebody. We talk about, you know, I don't know where you stand on uh, lethal injection or those type of things. I don't, I, that, that's not what we're talking about this morning, but those are, are very humane ways quote-unquote, putting somebody down. This was the most brutal death to the day that anyone could could die to pay for their crimes. And here's Jesus on the cross paying for the crimes of humanity. In fact, it was so painful that, that a word was developed from the experience. The word is excruciating. Excruciating. That word excruciating speaks of the pain that one would experience During crucifixion, not your headache that you've had since, you know, you woke up this morning. We're talking about is it severe pain is humanly possible. And in this process, they would, they would have this cross with, with five to seven inch spikes that they would drive through the, the, near the bottom of the hand, through the wrist, where it would go between the bones there, and it would touch major nerves in your, in your hands. So here they're nailing Jesus to the cross, and, and the weight of his body, full grown man, the weight of his body is suspended by these spikes. Probably rusty, you know, not smooth, not, not surgical steel. We're talking about rough iron spikes driven through his hands and then driven through his feet. And Jesus is pinned on this cross. When, when victims were pinned to the cross, they were positioned in such a way that they had to bear their own weight. I mean, you know, when they weren't bearing their own weight, they were experiencing the pain from the nerves in their arms going all the way through their body. It's not just a pain in their hands. They're experiencing it all over their body because of the the nervous system that's attached. And so what would happen is the victims were positioned in such a way where where their knees were up and they were hanging. If you've ever tried to do like a squat, and just stay in that position for more than 30 seconds. You know how your legs get out and your your your, your legs begin to burn, right? So here what would happen with a, with a, a person that was being crucified is that they were put up there and, the, and they were put in that position so that their legs would give out so they couldn't support the weight of their body. And actually suffocation would begin to set in. This is how people would die. So they wouldn't die from the bleeding. They actually died from suffocating on the cross. Said, here is our king who said, I love you so much, I want you so much that I'll go through the most intense pain that there is, and I'll die of suffocation so I can give you my breath, so I can give you life, and life to the fullness. And the crazy thing about Jesus is that he knew that this was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. This was his assignment. He knew it was going to happen. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, he begins to tell the disciples, hey, this is about to go down. And I want to give you guys a warning that I'm about to die a brutal death. And this is what he says. That he began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, and by teachers of the law. That he must be killed and then after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. So it wasn't abstract. It was Jesus went into the details. He's telling the disciples. He's telling his boys. He's telling his family. Guys, listen. It's about to go down. It's going to be ugly. Peter took him aside. Oh, Peter. And began to rebuke Jesus. How many of you have ever been rebuked? <laughs> it's one thing to be rebuked from somebody. It's totally different to be rebuked by Jesus. Jesus rebukes come on out of love he rebukes so he pulls Peter Peter pulls him aside and he and, and he and he, he's like You're, this isn't going to happen and uh, Jesus rebukes Peter and this is what he says get behind me Satan what would Jesus do call somebody Satan here we have it get behind me Satan you do not have the mind in mind the things of God but the things of man so Peter's Rebuking Jesus, this isn't going to happen. Jesus is like, it is going to happen, devil. And he tells Peter, the reason why Jesus tells him that is not because he's mean-spirited. It's because Peter had the wrong mindset. Peter was thinking, no, we can overcome. Jesus has come to overthrow the Romans. Jesus is like, listen, Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Did you forget my assignment? Did you forget the last three years of what we've been doing? And then he says this. He called the crowd to him along with the disciples. He called everybody that was in his circle of influence. Right? He says, everybody gather around. Disciples, y'all pull in close. All you other people that have been following around, eating the bread that I've created, been watching the miracles, all y'all observers, everybody come in close. I have something to tell you. Listen, if anyone wants to come after me, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the sake of the gospel... We'll save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I I think that that could be something that Jesus is saying right now. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory and holy angels. I mean, this is intense stuff, Jesus. I mean, these are like the passages that we just like, kind of like to pretend are not there. You know, it's not really the, the graphic that you post on social media. Oh, doesn't this make everybody feel good? Because it's painful what Jesus is talking about. So we've been talking about this series. We've been talking about what Jesus has went through. You were worth it. You were crossworthy. That's what this series has been about. It's been about, we're crossworthy. We're worthy of the cross. Yeah, we didn't deserve it, but we were worth it. But guess what? Jesus is also crossworthy. He's worthy of your cross. Is he worthy of your cross? Have you taken up your cross and followed Jesus? Or have you just said, I like this part, Jesus, but not that part? I'll believe you in my heart. I'll just, I'll take a little bit here, but I don't want any of that sacrificial stuff. I just want all the grace and all the feel goodies. I just want all the positive stuff. I just want what I can get out of it. I don't really want it to cost me anything. See, we can't talk, and we love talking about identity, man. We love talking about your royalty. We believe that. And that, man, that is, that is the gospel. The gospel is you get a crown. The gospel is you're a son, you're a daughter of the King of Glory. I mean, this is amazing. It's really good news. But we can't talk about putting on our crown without first picking up our cross. Have you picked up your cross? Are you really following Jesus? Or you just subscribe by saying, I'm a Christian? I had an experience one time in my life. Jesus makes this profound and intense statement. Deny yourself. Jesus would not be very popular today. Because you don't go to Barnes and Nobles or Amazon and find a whole lot of books titled, Deny Yourself. You find, hey, how to be more fulfilling, right? Or, or, or we, even when we, we come to God, we say, we say, God, what's your plan for my life? How about you've got that backwards? How about you say, Lord... How can I give my life for your plan? It's me, 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 me. This is the culture we live in, beloved. As salt and light, we must carry a different message. Does it mean that we're mean spirit to other people where we say, you know what, the way I'm going to live, I'm not going to live the way everybody else. I'm not going to live the way I want to. I'm going to deny myself. See, we live in a self-improvement, self-care, self-fulfilling, self-absorbed, self-indulgent culture. And I ask you today, how is that working out? with suicide rates, with depression rates higher than they've ever been. And there's more books sold, and there's more positive message, and there's more cute little things that tell you to follow your heart and do you and live your life and be happy and just ha-la-la-la-la, all that. And it's all just fluff because inside we're empty because God's created us for something greater. And it's not self-fulfillment. It's self-denial. This is the message of the cross. This is the message of Jesus. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. How is it working out for you with your self-improvement? Probably not very good. Because you're still trying to do it after 20 years. I'm just trying to better myself. I'm just trying to better myself. How about you deny yourself and take up your cross. See, taking up our cross is the prerequisite of following Jesus. You say you want to follow Jesus, pick up your cross. Well, I just want to, you know, I want to feed orphans and, and take care of people that are hurting. Yes! That requires a lot of you laying yourself down. Even when you can't put it on a selfie and stick it on Instagram. Can you do it without doing that? Can you not let your left hand know what your right hand does? Can you do that? Or is it really all about you and how popular you can do with doing a good thing? Take up your cross. It's a prerequisite of following Jesus. It's a prerequisite. And then he says this, don't forfeit your soul. You know, I've heard people take this scripture, don't forfeit your soul. And you know what they say? They say, well, you know, you just got, you just got to be you. Don't forfeit who you are. That is not, Jesus is talking about the opposite. He's saying you do need to forfeit who you are to preserve your God given soul because you are destroying you. The inner me is the enemy. Don't forfeit your soul. If I ask you today, I say, what is success in your eyes? If we sit down, if we went in here in the lobby after service, after the building cle- clears out, we sit down I say, what are you doing? We, what, what, what will it be for you to be successful? And we start doing things like, well, I want to have a million dollars in the bank. I want to have this much property. I want to have money. I want to have a nice house. I want to have possessions. I want to have a family. I want to have an education. I want to have fame. None. Of, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. All those things are great. I think God wants to bless you with those things. And today's message is pretty heavy, but next week we're talking about the prosperity gospel. Some of y'all are like, oh, I'll be sure to be here for that. Oh. Yeah, I know. But what is success in your eyes? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it popularity? Is it possessions? Is it stuff? Is it things? Listen, if you success, if you're successful, and Jesus is not the point of it, then you failed. If Jesus is not the end of your running list of goals and achievements, you're failing. Come to the cross. Come to self-denial. Lose yourself. And that's what we think. We think, well, if I, if, if I do all this, then, then I'll lose all that I've worked for, all that I've labored for. I'll lose it all. It's like God doesn't, God doesn't have a better plan than I do, so I'll execute mine. God's dream isn't as big as mine, so I'll do my dream. And your dream will be little. He makes his statement, lose yourself. In a world that's telling us, find yourself. Find yourself. You know, I turned 40 a few years ago. And I, I've been more self-aware than I've ever been in my life. Over the last five years, I've learned more about myself than any other season. It's just been crazy. I'll let like, God will just show me something. But none of it, listen, none of it is so I can be like, oh, yeah, that's the way I am. It's just affirming me. More, it's, it's more like, oh, I need to work on that. I need to get rid of that. I need to deny myself. See, Jesus calls us to lose ourselves. If we lose ourselves, then we'll find our true soul. See, in the kingdom, you have to lose yourself to find yourself. Have you lost yourself? I, I, just, I just can't find myself. Just trying to find out who I am. Lose yourself. Find out who he is. Make that the goal of your life. So I want to talk about the art of losing yourself. <laughs> probably, probably not going to sell a lot of books. I'll write a book called The Art of Losing Yourself. One copy sold by the author. Right? Author bought the book. The Art of Losing Yourself. How to Lose Yourself. Number one. Stop finding yourself. Stop trying to find yourself. Stop this. All I'm just trying to do you know what God wants? If God wants to show you something, he'll show you what you make him the, the one that you're pursuing, what you're looking for. What are you looking for? Quit looking within yourself. The world tells us that. Look within yourself. Right? Search your feelings, right? Funny, Star Wars is like, search your feelings, and then the other time, like, your feelings betray you. Yep, that's the way it is. Sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong, but they're not, very, they're not a very good measuring rod for what you should be doing. Stop trying to find yourself. Number two, consider yourself dead. Consider yourself dead. Did you know that all the disciples, except for one, died a martyr's death? All of them. And the other one they tried to kill, John. And then they made the mistake of sitting on this island called Patmos. That was a mistake. They couldn't kill him. But all of them died way before they were martyred. They died when they started following Jesus. That's the reason they were able to give their life in the moment, in the heat of the moment. I've heard people for years say, "Oh man, I, if it came down to dying for Jesus, I would die for Jesus. I would die for Jesus." You can't even live for Him now. You can't even you can't even cut out ten minutes of your day to spend time with Him, beloved. You can't even you can't even love your neighbor. You can't even love the lady at Walmart that's taking too long. You can't even love the guy who cut you off in traffic. And you could die for Jesus? Come on, beloved. We've got to consider ourselves dead. You said, so what do you mean, consider myself dead? Consider everything in your life dead. Your plans, your dreams, your personality. Well, that's just the way I Die to that person. Quit making excuses for your weaknesses. Those weaknesses are supposed to be dead. Dead people don't have weaknesses. They're 100% weak. They're dead. Guess what else dead people don't have? Rights. Dead people don't have rights. What do, What can I get? What can I do? I can't do. You can't do anything. Are you okay with that? You can only do what the Lord allows you to do. I realize you can go really crazy with that. You get really legalistic with that. But listen, I don't have a right to do anything. I, the only rights I have are the rights that He gives me. Does that mean? Yeah, I raise my kids. I do my thing, but but I'm not caught up in in like, okay, is this a sin? Is that a sin? Is it, dude? I am. I'm, I've died. So not, not about how like how it's not how how close can I get to the edge and not sin? That if you were living that way, then you're already living in sin. You're already missing the mark because you're trying you're trying to calculate. Your relationship with God based on your behavior. Listen, get in a relationship with God. He'll change your behavior. And you won't be so concerned about the rights and the wrongs and how that's measuring out. Y'all okay? You know, we sing these songs. I I love these songs. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And a nicer house and a car. And a girlfriend, I mean it's like we sing this stuff all the time, but do we mean it? I'm not saying you shouldn't sing it. I heard Winky Prattney say this one time. He said that he said it's a lot easier to sing a lot than to tell one. It's like, let's be sincere in our devotion and in our declaration to Jesus. I'm not saying that you don't sing it. I'm saying mean it when you sing it. You say, Man Lord, you are the prize, you're the one I'm going after. But doesn't God want me happy? Yes, absolutely, He wants you happy. But it's not number one on his list. That's number 1 on your list. What he wants is you to look like Jesus. That's what he wants. Do you think Jesus is miserable? Some of you think he is. That's the reason why you can't find your happiness is because in Jesus because you have a misunderstanding of who he is. Galatians 2:20, you all okay? I've been crucified with Christ. We talk about the cross. It was, what was nailed to the cross that day? Our sin was nailed to the cross. Yes, absolutely. Your sin was nailed to the cross that day. But guess who else was nailed to the cross that day? I was on the cross that day. When Jesus died, I died with him. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live but Christ that lives within me. All the rights that I have, he has my rights. He has the keys. Um, Noah, I think he cut out. He was here during first service. He said, you know, when you're in the military, he was telling me about when you sign up. When the military, he's like, you don't have any rights. They own you. You're, you're government-issued property at that time when you, when you sign yourself over the military. And I told him, I said, that's kind of like being a Christian, right? He's like, yeah, it is. I was like, when you sign up, you, you're all in. There's no, there's no one foot in and one foot out. You're in. You're in, Lord. Are you in? Or are you riding the fence? Are you playing a game? This is not a game, beloved. Don't lose your soul. I know this is heavy today. Stay with me. In, a, in order to experience the new life, which we love, which we celebrate, you have to die to the old one. In order to experience the new life, you've got to die to your old life. Is God going to take all this stuff from me? This is what we think. Oh, it, is it going to cost me everything? This is what it will cost. It will cost your willingness. God's probably not going to ask you to sell your house. He might. Would you be okay if he asked you to? God might tell you, I want you to sell your house. I want to sell everything you have. I want you to take that money, and I want you to move to Haiti. And I want you to minister to orphans. God might tell you to do that. Are you willing? I want you to give up your I want you to give up the education that you worked eight years for. I'm glad you got that education, but I want you to give that up, and I want you to move and do something that I have for you. Are you willing? Will God require you of that, that of you? I don't know. But if he does, will you say yes to it? Y'all okay? We were nailed to the cross that day. Listen, Romans 6, verse 3. We're going to have baptisms in a minute. This is what baptisms show us. This is what we learn through baptism. This is why we get baptized. He explains this right here, Romans chapter 6. We were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism. We joined him in his death. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead from the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. So when we have baptism, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what? I go into the water, I died. I come out of the re- water, I'm resurrected. I'm saying I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm leaving my old mindsets behind. I'm leaving my old plans, dreams behind. I'm, and I'm coming out and I'm saying, Lord, whatever you have for my life, my life is brand new. The slate is clean. I have no plans. I have, have no agendas unless they're yours. That's what it means to be baptized. So when we do baptism, it's not just to show everybody in the room, yeah, that's awesome, but it's also to say, you know what? I am raised to new life in Christ. I'm doing this thing. The old guy, the old Josh Brown, when I got baptized, I had to get baptized twice because the first time I didn't leave him in the water. I resurrected him, and so after I came to Jesus for real, I said I'm going to get baptized because I want to leave that guy in the water. And so I did. I got baptized right over here at Oak Cliff Assembly of God in about '95. And as I was like, went in that water. I was like, that Josh Brown is gone. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also be raised to life just as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So that sin might not have any influence over you anymore. Why do I keep sinning? Because you haven't died. It's not because you're addicted. It's because you haven't died. It's not because you need to sin. It's because you haven't died. It's not because you're not perfect. It's because you haven't died. Will you die? Come and die. Consider yourself dead. I know that's not a popular message. I know we don't like to talk about that in America. But this is the gospel. This is, this is what we do. This is how we respond to the worthiness that he considers us. We say, yes, Lord, and I'm also worthy of a cross. Submit your want. Submit your want. See, listen, we've got to mature in our ability to choose what we want. Now, or I'm, I'm sorry, we've got, to, we've got to mature in our ability to choose what we want most over what we want now. Right? So what you want in the moment versus what you want in a thousand years. What I want is I want to know Jesus. That's what I want. So anything that might keep me from knowing him, I want to say no to it. It's the power of no. I want to say no to anything that's going to hinder my walk with Jesus. We call that sin, right? But not just sin, just distractions. I need to say no to my phone more. Because it's a sin? No, it's not a sin, but it is a distraction. It's a distraction for me. It's so annoying. I wake up every day and one of the first things I do is check my phone. What is wrong with me? Y'all okay? We got to learn. We got to mature, beloved. We've got to grow up in our ability to choose what we want most over what we want now. There's a reward. Listen, there is a reward in no. There's a great reward in no. We just say no. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to sin. There's, there's a, beloved, it's such a good reward in no. When we talk about submission. It's important to understand this. Even Jesus had to submit. Oh. This is crazy. This gets me every time. Even Jesus had to submit to the Father. Here's Jesus before any of this happens that we've been talking about. Jesus is in a garden. Before Golgotha, there was Gethsemane. You don't get to Golgotha without getting to Gethsemane. And Gethsemane, that place is called the place of crushing. It's where olives were crushed. That's where they crushed olives. This is the or the olive press. It's where they pressed it to make olive oil right here in this garden. And guess what Jesus was being pressed. Jesus was yielding to the press of the Father. Jesus was yielding his will. And this is how it happens. This is uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Then accompanied with his disciples. How many you know it's good to have somebody with you when you're going through the crushing? Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus wasn't just, didn't just go to the place of crushing one time. He went as usual. He went often. Then he told them, Pray. That you won't give in to temptation. And then guess what Jesus did? He went and prayed that he wouldn't give in to temptation. Because Jesus, knowing what he was going to go through, was tempted to bail out. He was tempted to quit. Am I the only one that's ever been tempted to quit? Jesus, even Jesus, was tempted to quit. So he prays. They don't fall into temptation. And he walked about a a Stones throw away and he knelt down. Jesus kneels down and he prays. He says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to give my life. I don't want to deny myself. But it's not my will. It's yours to be done. Lord, I choose your will over my will. I choose your will over my wants. Whether it be a a pleasure of sin, whether it be a pleasure of a distraction. I choose God's will over my wants. Father, and we know that from the other gospel accounts that Jesus, he didn't just do it one time. He prays this three times. Jesus is struggling, wanting to bail out three times. He has to surrender himself. Three times he has to submit himself. This is really where Jesus died, right here. He died to his will, his own will, his own wants. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Oh, when we yield ourselves, what happens? He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. This is a a medical condition called hematidrosis. That's probably the only thing some of y'all are going to remember that I mispronounce it. Hematidrosis. And what this medical condition is is when agony is so intense. Have you ever been in agony? This is far more unless you've experienced this. Agony is so intense that the blood vessels around your, your, your sweat glands begin to burst. And sweat is not just coming out of your brow anymore. Now it's blood. This is how stressed out. This is how difficult it was for Jesus to lay down his will. This is, this is sorrow. He carried our sorrows. This is where Jesus carries it. Right here. In this moment. See, submission. We talked about submitting, following, whatever word you want to use. I don't really like the word yield, whatever. Submission is proved when we do what we don't want to do. How do you know? How do I know if, my, if I'm following Jesus? Are you willing to do things that you don't want to do for Jesus? Are you willing to do things that aren't your personality for Jesus? Are you willing to do things that you're weak at for Jesus? Are you willing? He really just wants your willingness. And number four is this. The prize is greater than the pain. See, that's what kept Jesus going. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the scorn and the shame, and he's now set at the right hand of the throne of the Father. You know what the joy that was set before him was? The joy was you. The joy was me. And he says this, consider him, the next verse right there in Hebrews 12, consider him that endured such opposition that you won't grow weary. He said, man, pastor is like, how do I lay down my, 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 myself? How do, I, how do I lay down my life? You've got to realize that the prize It's like these guys that go to the gym every day and put in eight hours for a fight that's going to last 15 minutes. The prize. The prize is worth more than the pain. The prize is worth more than the pain. See, beloved, we were the joy that is set before him, and he, he is the joy that is set before us. See, at the end of this thing, we get Jesus. It's not about your crowns and all the stuff you get in heaven. No, 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 It's, it's, it's a place in the family. It's, we get Jesus. We get Jesus. He, He is the joy. Jesus is the joy. He's the joy that was set before us. I, I was reminded this morning on my way to, on my way to church, I was thinking about this, this story about uh, Andrew, the disciple Andrew, who we don't read a lot about in Scripture. In, in 70 A.D., he gives his life for Jesus. This is historically documented by, by uh, the, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And this is his approach. I, w- I want you to get this. When we see movies and we see these things on film, we, we see the, the disciples being all sad, I'm about to die. But listen, listen to his posture with joyful approach. Joyful approach. He declares, O cross, most welcomed and longed for, with, wi- with a willing mind, joyfully and deliriously, I come to thee. Being a scholar of him who did hang on me, because I have been always been thy lover and have coveted to embrace thee. This is my whole life. For all these years that Jesus has been gone, now I get to pay the price. I get to return the investment. It was a joy to lay his life down. Paul says this last scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul just gets through going through and talking about how he was such a good Pharisee. He was so good at keeping the law. And making sure other people were keeping it. And he says all those things were as rubbish. It's like all, all the stuff that I accomplished from being a good Pharisee. A high ranking official. All of that is rubbish. It's just junk. It's not a big deal. And this is what he says. I want to know Christ. You know what I want? A bigger house. and A promotion at work. No, I want to know Christ. I want to have a million crowns when I get into heaven. No. I want to know Christ. The power of His resurrection and the the fellowship of sharing in His suffering. Becoming like Him in His death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained any of this knowing Jesus. I've already been made perfect, but this I do, this I do, I, I press on. I, I'm not there yet, I don't know him fully yet, but I'm, I'm pressing on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. I do one thing, forgetting what is behind, forgetting my accomplishment, forgetting my efforts, forgetting my excuses, forgetting my sins, forgetting all the junk and straining towards that which is ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize from which God has called me heavenward. I have not... I've done a lot of good things. I've done a lot of great things. I have a pretty decent track record. But here it is. It nothing compares to knowing Jesus. Jesus is the joy.